0: Accomplishment Coaching is proud to present the following fine programming. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. Accomplishmentcoaching.com.
1: Welcome to the coaching show with your host, Master Certified Coach, Christopher McCollum.
0: I've told you so many times. Get dressed before we start the podcast. What is what is happening? What are we doing? Little blush, little little lip gloss, what are we up to?
2: I sometimes forget that we have a YouTube thing and I'm like, oh man, I see. should have looked at myself in the mirror before <laughs> I walked
0: out. It was a little freshening. You were freshening <laughs> up. Uh, let's tell the people here, listen people, we have no business doing this, this here podcast today. Uh, uh, neither of us slept uh, for very different reasons. What, what's happening at your house? How come you're not sleeping?
2: I got a brand new puppy, a French bulldog. He's only 10 oh, weeks. So we're trying to crate train and he is a very vocal dog. So there's a lot of screaming. A lot of screaming uh, from this dog. And caving. So I've been caving at like 4 a.m. because I just want a solid two hours of sleep.
0: Caving means you stop training the dog. I just get
2: get him out of the
0: crate. This is preparing you very well, I think, for parenting.
2: I just don't (laughs) know that that's in the cards. I think this feels like a very very clear. Nice. Nope.
0: Um, Okay, good. So we got that dog. Any other thing else keeping you up at night?
2: Nope, just the dog.
0: hmm Not sure I believe that, but okay. And uh what about me? I uh we had sick dog last night. Sick dog. So dog up in the middle of the night yowling and you I don't speak dog. I don't know what that means. So I had to find out the hard way that he had some issues. Uh health issues, which ended up being all over the house. So uh we're not we're not
2: On our, our game.
0: normal selves today. True. Anything, um What do we need to let the people know? It is May. You're just going to ignore that call. It could be somebody important. (laughs) Um, It's May. Uh, Here's what you need to know. In May, we're going to have the conversation. We're not. There is going to be the Conversation, singular, Among Masters, plural, conference. Conversation Among Masters. Check it out at conversationamongmasters.com. This year it's in New Orleans. Do you know who I'm going to go and listen to talk?
2: No, tell me about it.
0: Uh, Julio Alaya, founder of uh, New, New Field Network, the New Field Network. And um, Cheryl Richardson, you know her from her many books and media appearances and some other people I'm not remembering right now. But that's pretty good, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. As a,
0: as a friend of mine said, it sounds like the 2006 uh, ICF conference all over again. So we're going to have to see how things have, and coaching have changed and developed uh, over the last 12 years since we last saw these people and had them on the show. Yeah. Uh, what else is happening The Association of Coach Training Organizations is having their conference in June in Virginia. The um, ICF Converge has announced that not this year but next year they'll have their conference, uh, that international global conference, and it's going to be in – have we talked about this? Prague, Czechoslovakia.
2: Oh, that's really cool.
0: You need to go, right?
2: Yeah, I'm into it. I'm into going. I like Prague.
0: Okay, good talk. (laughs) When <laughs> um, um, I thought there was a whole thing like aren't you going to go and spend weeks traveling in Europe? No?
2: Yeah, that's that would be You're young, you should enjoy ideal. your life go do I'm, things. I'm into that that's a great idea, that's really great
0: <laughs> I'm into it <laughs> whoever this new person is in your life they, they don't talk enough I can tell <laughs> um, alright, what else is going on um, you what's your name?
2: Clarice Connolly.
0: and where do we find you, what do you do?
2: um <laughs> You can, find me, you can find me at empoweringwomen.coach and I, I, support, I support women in really just getting clear on who they are outside of their labels, outside of their diagnosis, outside of the things that they're used, you know, how they identify themselves and really getting clear on their essence and who they are and to come from that place and follow their dreams.
0: Nice. It's an extraordinary work that you do and again, it's empowering women, plural, coach singular. Mm-hmm. all right. Uh, my name is Christopher McAuliffe. You can find me at ChristopherMcAuliffe.com if you can spell it or TheCoachingShow.com uh, or lots of places. We're about to launch something called Accomplishment Media, which is where you'll find us and lots of other podcasts. That's exciting. Um, mm-hmm. What else I want you to know, I'm going to go to the ICF uh, Midwest Conference this year. It's in June, late June in Pittsburgh. There's also the ICF Capital Conference. Coaches Conference, which is taking place in our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. Check that out. Basically, uh, get out and meet people, is what I'm trying to tell you. All mm-hmm. of you uh, within the sound of our voices, you need to get out and uh, mingle with other coaches and find out what's happening in the world of coaching. Um, and that's why we're here. This, here's the coaching show. Each and every week we bring you interviews with people who are out doing something in the world of coaching or something that will support your business or something that's just plain wacky that we want you to know about. It's uh, edutainment, as we like to say, and it happens here each and every week. We want you to stay with us. We want you to stay tuned. And there's, I don't know, 16 years of archives. So check those out too because lots of famous people made a stop by here. Speaking of famous people, our um, – our guest today, we've got, we've got one of those shows where it's one guest for the entire hour. He's joining us from in-between uh, things, from an airport uh, lounge, I believe, in-between things, a leading authority on marketing, trends, and innovation. You want to introduce Rohit?
2: Yeah, he is the founder of the Non-Obvious Company and previously spent over 15 years leading, advising large organizations on digital and marketing at two respected global agencies. So Leo Burnett. Leo Burnett. Thank you. I'm not really good at pronouncing. So Ogilvy? Ogilvy? Ogilvy. (laughs) Nailed it. (laughs) Rohit is widely considered one of the most entertaining and original keynote speakers on marketing. Professional
0: podcasting people. Don't try this.
2: (laughs) Marketing disruption and innovation in the world.
0: Yes. Also a Wall Street Journal bestselling author. He also is a teacher, he teaches a popular course on marketing and storytelling at a little place called Georgetown University in Washington, D.C., as well as a writer, author of a monthly column on trends for GQ magazine in Brazil, as well as has worked with groups including the World Bank, NASA, Intel, LinkedIn, and more. We're delighted to welcome to our microphone Rohit Bargava. Hello, sir. Hello. Thanks for
3: having me.
0: Thanks for being had, as we like to say. It just now occurred to me that I had failed to mention our program sponsors and my recent interactions in Seattle, so I'll have to talk about that at the break. But meanwhile, I want to apologize in advance and thank you for joining us while we are being uh, a little bit uh, uh, under-resourced in the sleep department. (laughs) Let's talk, Rohit, (laughs) first about... uh, no, the Non-Obvious Company. You, of course, are author of a book called Non-Obvious. What is the Non-Obvious Company what do you do
3: there? Yeah, the Non-Obvious Company is basically a consultancy and we help organizations to try and think more innovatively and come up with ideas that other people aren't coming up with. So it's a lot of innovation, a lot of marketing, and we go in and do basically a bunch of workshops and strategy sessions and things like that. That's kind of what we specialize in.
0: A lot of, um, it, this to me is fascinating because, you know, it's kind of like companies will pay you money and bring you in, contract with you to come in and say, tell us something we haven't already thought about or create something that we yeah. have, aren't already doing, right? How? What's a deliverable on a contract like this?
3: <laughs> well, it's, it's usually two things. I mean, one is you know, tell us what's happening in the world and we do a lot of trend research. Ah, okay. Um, so a lot of it is, sort of culture mapping and saying, like, this is what people care about and this is what they're going to care about. But the other, I think, more important thing is probably a little more training and a little less uh, consulting or speaking, and it's how do you think in this way? Like, how do you become the sort of person that sees the details that other people don't see and finds a way to put them together to come up with ideas that others don't come up with?
0: Oh, nice. And, and you've that,
3: got... I believe, is not something that you just need, like, some expert to come in and tell you. I think we can all learn to do that.
0: Great. So there's actually a methodology or a, or a pathway that you work people through?
3: Yeah, exactly. Cool.
0: Okay. And so you're helping teach organizations and leaders how to be more innovative. I've got a, a, a board meeting coming up, a, a sort of a strategy session in the middle of the year for an organization and my organization. And my big thing is we're going to go to a different city and sit in a beautiful room that's got, like, vast vistas, right, so they can see so that because we will come up with better ideas if the room has lots of windows and the windows look out on a beautiful, pastoral, magnificent view. Am I uh, am I wasting my time and money?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, the, the venue um, does matter for people, and I think, I mean, this may or may not be what you want to hear, but you know mm-hmm. the, the most important part of that is taking them out of their usual routine. Mm-hmm. Um, the nicer place, uh, you know, it can have an impact because people feel like, okay, I'm in this, like, inspiring place, and so therefore I'm, I'm feeling more inspired. So definitely there's psychology there. Uh, but I think it's important to separate yourself from, like, not just booking the same meeting room at the same office. I mean, that's the Worst way to try and be innovative because you're just in this ordinary place that you're usually in, and there's there's no difference. Mm-hmm.
0: Got it. So get us out of our normal routines. Get us someplace, even if it's down the street to the uh, to the Piggly Wiggly or something.
2: Oh my god!
0: It's a supermarket yeah. It's a supermarket <laughs> yeah, that in might the work. south. <laughs> yeah, and just and like that. Okay, great. Now I know something. What do you want to know?
2: I so I yeah, and I think
0: um please No,
3: go on, please.
2: I'm so I'm very curious about the non obvious book. Um can you share a little bit more about that? Like what do people expect? What are they going to get when they pick the copy up? Like what is what is the non obvious book about?
3: Yeah, so the the non obvious book um does something that many of my author friends have told me repeatedly is probably the most idiotic thing you can do with any oh, book, right. which is um, you re, you, I basically go and I rewrite about 35% of this book every year, and I republish it, kind of like the Guinness Book of World Records, but with more changes. <laughs> um, so there's an annual addition to this book, and the reason for that is because every year there's 15 new trends that are identified through the research process that I use with my team. And so every year there's 15 new trends, and then there's an update. Mm-hmm. So essentially what ends up happening is, A, as an often I have a year-long window to sell the book, and then I have the new update, and so I've got to figure out, like, okay, what do I do with the 2017 books, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing is that it's this ongoing cycle of finding new trends and new research and new ideas, and actually that's one of the reasons why people love the series, um, and it's been going for eight years now.
0: And we should point Uh, out...
3: Because there's always new trends.
0: We should point out that the 2018 version has already earned a gold medal in the Nonfiction Book Awards. What, um, don't you want to know what some of those...
2: Yeah, I know. I was like, so where does the number 15 come from? How do you decide 15? Is it always 15 every year? Like, what are, what are some of the trends?
3: Um, so 15, I'm not exactly sure why it's 15. I mean, it's kind of (laughs) random. Um... But uh, what ends up happening is there's actually five categories and there's three trends per category. Uh-huh. Um, and so it sort of came, it, it developed out to be the right number because I could do a couple of trends in multiple categories. So for example, one of the categories is uh, culture and consumer behavior. So that's all about like, you know, what are people doing uh, right now? There's another category for marketing and social media. So that's more like marketing oriented trends. There's one for economics and entrepreneurship. There's another one for like media and entertainment, so you know, each of these categories it kind of gives me a different lens to be able to talk about particular trends
0: nice what um of the current trends the twenty eighteen trends what's one that surprised you or kind of went uh, seems sideways to you
3: um there's one that uh, that I wrote about, and I found all this interesting uh, all these interesting stories about something that we call truthing. Um, And truthing was kind of a response to fake news, fake leaders, and just you know fakeness all around us. Um, And what ends up happening, and we saw this multiple times with multiple people, and this is not kind of one-sided at all, this is just our natural human response, is when you don't know what to trust, you start to look back inwards. And you say, okay, I trust the people that I've met, I trust who I know personally, I trust face-to-face interactions. And I believe what I believe even more strongly, and mm. so the upside of that is if we value the face-to-face connection and the human connection, the downside is that it wherever we believed or whatever we thought, we believe that even more deeply, and so we fail to understand anyone who doesn't think the way we think, uh. which is I think what you see happening in the world right now.
0: Yes, I'm. I'm also mapping it on for for coaches. It's one of those things that when our Clients go through a sudden uh, and dramatic rise in their effectiveness, popularity, or success. We see a lot of that. So, you know, if you're um, drafted onto an NFL team, if you're um, suddenly, if your you know play or movie suddenly hits, right? All of a sudden, you've got all this extra input, and you tend to go back to you know. This is why we see people in the music industry with these posse's, right, of people that they grew up with, because they're sort of like trusting just the people that have known them before they were famous, right?
3: Yeah, they sort of retreat um, backwards, you know, and so this uh, this thing that, that we start to do, it's interesting because it becomes a verb, like we start to engage in some form of truthing, like we're trying to figure out, okay, is this trustworthy? Like, should we pay attention to it? Should we not? Are we being manipulated?
0: And. As somebody who uh, has hung out in our nation's capital, <laughs> pardon me. Do you do you see other trends that are directly related to the um, the conflict in our nation's politics these days?
3: Yeah, I mean, another one from uh, the 2018 book that uh, that a lot of people have been talking about and latching onto, uh, particularly in media, is something we called manipulated outrage which is exactly what it sounds like. Um, wow. There's many people who are profiting from making you angry. Mm. And wow. uh, the angrier they make you, uh, the more eyeballs they get, the more impressions they get, the more you care and engage with your time.
0: Ironically, so that think pisses
3: that, you know, me one off. Of the reasons...
2: Yeah. It's what yeah. we working. Yeah, working I mean,
3: you know, it's uh, you know, one of the reasons why I wrote about that is I think that if we have, as people, if we have more awareness, that someone's trying to get under our skin, that someone's trying to make us angry on purpose, maybe we can give ourselves a little more perspective and not get so angry so quickly.
2: Oh, I like that. That's a good idea.
0: I don't think that would work at my house. I'll try it. (laughs) 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 All right. Um, What about, man, I love what you, there's so much to talk about, but I love what you said about (laughs) every year there are a bunch of trends that become, I don't know, out outdated or, or old trends. What can we do with that? What is that? How is that valuable? Have you found any value for for those old trends? Do you just wait 20 years and they come back?
3: Yeah. You know, here's, um, here's the thing that, that is uh, really frustrating for me as an author is they actually don't become outdated. Um, they just become, you know, sort of like if you imagine writing a blog and you write these articles and they're great, but every new article pushes the old articles down. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that the old articles are irrelevant. It just means they're pushed further down and so people see them less. And that's what tends to happen with these trends. And, and, you know, when they're first published, maybe they're a little more, you know, to use the brand of the book, a little more non-obvious. And over time, maybe they become a little more obvious because Mm -hmm. you see more examples, they're more talked about, they're more widely known. Uh, But they don't go away and they don't reverse themselves or become... uh, um, uh, wrong.
2: Absolutely.
3: And so one of the things we started doing, which has actually been really great, is at the end of every new edition, so at the end of the 2018 edition, there's a pretty detailed appendix with every past trend along with a grade against it for whether it's continuing to be relevant or not. Wow. And so there's this, all this transparency, because usually if you talk to like somebody who considers themselves a futurist, right, which is a term that's out there... And you say, "Hey, you know, you've been doing all this prediction. Did any of your predictions actually come true?" Uh, most of them will only ever say yes or not yet, right? They don't like to admit that they're wrong. Right. And with these series, like, there's a lot of transparency. So there's some trends that actually didn't pan out all that much, and uh, we're pretty honest about that. And I think that one of the reasons why readers keep coming back to this series is because that's unique—that um, ability to say, "Hey, we got this wrong." You know, that's not something that's very common among futurists or authors Mm
0: -hmm. or psychics that you pay on the side of the street anyway um yeah exactly i'm teasing but let's talk about that for a second because there's you know clearly with psychics with a neon sign in the window there's a credibility issue right Mm -hmm. but you point (laughs) to something interesting about futurists right there there are a, a few select people whose opinions and thoughts on the future we really admire and listen to and consult for what what at what point do we say oh this person has really gotten it right or this person is a charlatan and and as you say it's sort of like well it just hasn't come true yet is there some sort of measure of the effectiveness of a futurist or is it just uh you know whomever you can talk into that you know the way
3: no, I think, I mean, the, the first thing is, there's. there's I, I believe personally that there's two ways to think about predicting the future. Because I do use that phrase a lot, and I actually say that I teach people how to predict the future, right? Mm-hmm. And the reason why I say that, I mean, it's a bold, like, exaggerated claim, right? Because who can pick, predict the future, really? Um, but the reason why I say that is because um, the one side, which I don't believe it, anyone can do, is 10 years from now, this is going to be big, and this is going to happen, Right. Because we don't really know, right? I mean, 10 years before Twitter, who would have predicted that? Right. Nobody. Um, But the version of predicting the future that I do believe in is that the signs of what's going to be important five years from now are already here today. They're just not that widespread or not that widely known. And so a lot of what I do is predicting the accelerating present. And that's a phrase that I use a lot, which is like something that's happening right now that's going to accelerate Crazily, right? So someone might have this technology. Someone might be doing this thing. And it's already happening right now. And the prediction is, wow, this is going to be huge. This is going to be much bigger. So that's a much safer way to think about predicting the future because you're not predicting something that may or may not happen. You're Mm. predicting that something already happening is going to happen more often and matter more.
0: So it's essentially taking trend research and sort of projecting it into the future.
3: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, stories, really. I mean, at the end of the the day, I I spent most of my career being a storyteller. I mean, I was in brand marketing, I teach storytelling at Georgetown. I mean, it's all about stories. And really, the the process, or secret, if there is one, behind being able to identify trends, I believe, is curating these stories. So that's a phrase that I use a lot, curation, because most of the time, people are only familiar with that from museums.
0: Right, or online curation sometimes, which mostly yeah. doesn't doesn't work yeah let's um I, i've got a million topics i want to talk to you about Yay! And- we've got <laughs> and Cla- so much
2: good time
0: clarice is very excited uh <laughs> the the marketing so you you do marketing at all sorts of levels right you do uh, um insights and trends re- trend research but you also um specialize sort of in creative approaches to marketing now we're talking to a, i don't know fifty thousand coaches this morning and one of the things that coaches deal with, whether they're old and crotchety and crusty like me or young <laughs> and fresh faced like, like Clarice, is we're still marketing, right? I'm still out there marketing, trying to get my name, trying to you know, uh, let people know about who I am and what I do. And so is Clarice. Is there some creative approach to marketing? Is there something you, from your experience with large organizations, would have us sort of small solopreneurs or entrepreneurs take on or stop doing? And is it different for someone new in the marketplace than someone who's been around?
3: Well, I think that, you know, I mean, this is something that I think a lot about because I spent most of my career in in big brands, working with big brands. And now, you know, I'm close to a solopreneur. I mean, I have a few people that I work with, but, you know, I have my own small business, uh, and I think a lot about kind of what brings people into that, right? What makes someone want to work with me versus someone else? particularly when you think about keynote speaking, right? Because I um, do a bunch of keynote speaking, and the market for that uh, is someone says, okay, I have a, this budget for a keynote speaker, and then they can just look on one of you know hundreds of websites and find a bunch of speakers at that same price point, and now they have to decide. Mm-hmm. So how do you stand out as a solo person when... You know, in that particular case, like, money's not really the issue, right? I mean, they basically stick their budget into a drop-down menu, and they see all the speakers that speak for that fee. And now it's a question of, like, what do I do to stand out or be different? So, you know, I think there's a couple things that have worked um, for me that might be useful to think about for your coaches. I mean, because one of the questions that has driven me since I left Ogilvy and started my own thing was, you know, how do I – create enough of a reputation so one hour of my time is worth more and more money, basically, right? Not that I would, that I'd really charge per hour because I kind of don't, right? but I want the reputation to be there so that people say, oh, well, of course they cost that much, right? Because that's really how you, partially how you scale because people want to work with someone who's in demand, who's got all these things happening. And so building that personal profile, that's big. And so some of the things that I think you... You know, may not be a surprise. I mean, having a book, teaching at a university, um, these are all things that build a reputation, right? Okay. Uh,
0: any things not to do? Anything that's a waste of time or energy or.
3: Um, you know, I see a lot of people, um, excuse me, they go for, um, like, the. They try for something external that they hope is going to give them uh, that they hope is going to kind of do the work for them you know so uh, there's a lot of like lead gen model who and it's like we'll send this to 5,000 people who are you know actively looking for someone exactly like you you know what I mean there's yeah. like all sorts of schemes like that and as a marketing guy like I see a lot of those and they just I mean all they have is some random list of people and then they just blast it out with you know you included with a bunch of other people, and um, it rarely turns out to be
0: useful. Okay, so don't don't hire people. Don't like have them get your name out either. Go out and uh, go out and try and create your your niche, your brand identity, your something different that differentiates Clarice from me, for example.
3: I like that. Yeah, too. I mean, I think having content and having a point of view out mm-hmm. there um, definitely helps to distinguish. Um, you, And then I think taking an opportunity, like we're actually doing um, a, a trade show booth and, for a non obvious company. Um, and we haven't really ever done that before. I mean, yeah. We're trying it out. And we have all these different ideas to make it not like a usual trade show booth because we're trying to stand apart from everyone else and sort of have live up to our name. You know, I mean, the non obvious company got to do something that's a little bit different.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, go ahead. I'm, I'm, I keep cutting off, uh, Clarice, but it's cause I'm so excited. Are there, <laughs> are, are there marketing firms out there these days that you're loving?
3: Um, you know, I, I look at a lot of work from different agencies and things like that. There's, there's like creative work that maybe I think is, is great. Mm-hmm. Um, but it depends on the client. I mean, it's, um, I don't think that there's necessarily like one group I would look at and say oh man everything they do is always amazing because that's not really how it works I mean I've spent enough time in the agency world where like when you get a great client you get that perfect creative idea and it comes out of magic and then you get the other client who yeah. you know, doesn't like the great idea and they decide to do the dumb idea and- I'm
0: I'm definitely, I'm definitely that second client. All right. The music tells us it's time for a break. We're going to spend our entire uh, hour today with Rohit Bagarva, Bhagar- And I'm going to be practicing uh, saying his name. When we come back, we'll find out why you should always eat left-handed, among other things. You're listening to The Coaching Show. Stay with us.
3: Christopher McAuliffe is your source
0: for the latest in the world of personal coaching. Whether it be speaking with such luminaries as Deepak Chopra or getting the newest techniques and innovation, the coaching show is always on the cutting edge of what's happening now.
1: Gotham Books presents Marriage Rules by Harriet Lerner. The book Martha Beck calls, required reading for anyone hoping to interact successfully with any other human, not just for those in romantic relationships. Get your copy wherever books and ebooks are sold, and visit harrietlearner.com to learn how to change your marriage today. Do you want to be a professional coach? Are you in business trying to make a real difference with people you manage or work with? Have you started a coaching practice that isn't quite getting off the ground? Get the skills you need to be a successful coach today with the Coach's Training Program from Accomplishment Coaching. The Coach's Training Program will show you how to help others focus and be more fulfilled. 6813. That's 1-888-548-6813.